I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Coast Outside Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shavoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. It is Angel Ortega. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, boys. UC 295 to go over. UC Vegas 82 going down this Saturday. Bellator 301 going on on Friday night, as well as a bunch of other fight announcements and news. As always, we are brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going throughout my day, whether I'm at the gym, at home, or whatever it is, they'll get me to the finish line with code SOUNDOFF at checkout. And they'll help you. 10% off, RogueAndrew.com, code SOUNDOFF at checkout. However, Elixir.com, the exact opposite, going to get you really high with their Delta A products. Again, code SOUNDOFF at checkout for them as well for 10% off. Angel, last Saturday night from the Madison Square Garden Arena in New York City, the Mecca, MSG, uh, we kind of know the deal here. Anytime the UFC goes to New York, it's electric. It's magical, dare I say. And Saturday night was no different. Uh, Alex Pahea in the main event, the first ever man to headline a UFC pay-per-view in MSG twice. Last year, he won the middleweight title from Israel Adesonia. This year, he wins the vacant light heavyweight title against Yuri Prohashi via second-round knockout. He drops him with the left and the right as he is charging in. Land some elbows, and in the end, he ends up getting the first, I mean, that I can think of, uh, elbow knockout in that position since Travis Brown uh, did it way back in the day. Look, dude, um, there was some controversy about the stoppage. Some people thought that, like, oh, it was way too early. And, and to be fair, it was a weird kind of circumstance. And from Mark Goddard's point of view, I definitely don't have an issue with the way he stopped it. And even Yuri Postfight said that, you know, it was a fine stoppage. You know, in terms of the fight itself, man, uh, what did you think about it? What did you make of uh, Alex's win, his performance, and ultimately the stoppage, that there was some controversy around it? Uh, I felt comfortable with the stoppage. Uh, initially, I didn't. I think after the fact, once they showed some replays, it showed the, what would have been the right side, I think, where the elbows were coming from. And uh, on top of the fact that Yuri kind of spoke, came out, and he was like, yeah, I felt like it was fine. I was out. Uh, but initially, I was kind of, like, upset. And I, I can't recall a time this year where I've been upset with a stoppage. Or uh, or at least bothered with it, or felt some type of way about it until this one. So maybe maybe there's a reason for it. But um, I mean, as far as the performance itself, credit to Alex. I mean, I knew he was capable of what he did on that night. Um, initially, I thought Yuri was doing some stuff well. I wasn't a big fan of some of the entries and the reaching and all that. And I thought, I mean, you saw me. We were there together. You saw how where I was like, no, no. Yeah. You know, I, I was literally freaking out because I knew what could happen in those exchanges, and it did end up happening. You know, the, those counters came in and, and the damage was done. Um, it was interesting. It was fun to see, and it was and it was good to see that he went to the wrestling department. I was like NCAA, uh, Yerbrushka inbound. You know, it seemed like we might have gone yeah. that direction. Uh, the leg kicks really seemed definitely seemed like they were a factor. Uh, he had to switch standards a few times, but I mean, shit, dude, uh, it's been away a little bit. I don't know. I don't think you could even. I wouldn't even point this to rerust or anything. I think uh, Alex just ended up being the better man that day. Yeah, man. And look, I mean, I was, I was the same way that you were. Whenever that stoppage happened, I was like, no, 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 don't stop it. Don't stop. Oh, fuck. You know, like, Yuri recovered quickly. And, um, do I, do I wish they would have let it go? Yeah. Same time. I'm, I'm still at peace about the whole situation. I mean, look, if the guy that got knocked out 
or excuse me, you know, got stopped or whatever. If he's not angry about it, then how can I be that angry about it? You know what I mean? Um, I think they, I would have liked if they let it go, but even then, the position that they were falling into, I mean, Alex is going to be on top in mount. Like, it was going to be pretty rough for him to be able to get out from underneath that situation anyway. Um, in terms of Alex Pahea, dude, he gets the win, is now the light heavyweight champion. And we said it last week on the show, but Alex Bahia is legitimately in the conversation as the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. I mean, he's right up there in the conversation with guys like Henry Cejudo, Daniel Cormier, former Olympic-style wrestlers. You know what I mean? He's in there with the conversation with Francis Ngannou, former USC champion, now top-10-ranked heavyweight in boxing. You know what I mean? Um, he's in that conversation. Former double-weight glory champion, now double-weight USC champion. And whenever he got on that mic, Angel, he said... Adesanya, come to daddy. Uh, it seems that Alex Pahea, now he has some business with Jamal Hill to take care of. Dana White did confirm post-fight that the former champ, uh, Sweet Dreams, he will get that title shot upon his return. However, it seems like Alex Pahea has his eye on Israel Adesanya up to 205 pounds. What is your excitement level for them to potentially uh, rerun that fight? I mean, the series is tied in MMA, man. It's one and one apiece. Both have been finished uh, by each other. I mean, yeah, I mean, the storyline going into that would be insane. I think it'd be the perfect match for UFC 300, especially with all the big big fights that have been announced leading up to UFC 300 uh, pay-per-view-wise. Because uh, we really, at the time, we, we've we been discussing this a lot off-air, off not really on-air, which is kind of interesting, but uh, regarding what will be the UFC 300 main event. What will headline that? What mm-hmm. will be that big thing? And, Josh, it's making sense. You know, three, 300 trilogy you know mm-hmm. title like it's it's there man and uh i feel like you kind of have to go that direction i know that adding this layer to this division and kind of how messed up it already is and all that and it's it's going through it and anyways i mean i don't know would jamal hill be ready by that time i don't know do we know that josh do we know kind of his and he expected to come back yeah, yeah he has said that he plans to return in the second quarter of next year. So we don't really, I mean, I don't think he'll be ready by April. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker need to take care of business early on uh, next year. And unless that fight ends pretty quick, I don't think any of those guys will be able to make, I mean, they could make a turnaround. I mean, they could make that happen. Actually, I take it back. Let's be realistic. That fight could happen, depending how that fight plays out. Uh Rockets Blahovich obviously just got announced. I think it was heavily rumored. Um, so obviously things have to play out there. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there is a time to make this. And on top of that, it's kind of scary though. If you're the 205 champ still at that time, you know your next opponent. It's going to be mm-hmm. Jamal Hill. So there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot on the line. There's a lot of pressure on all those. I'd say on all three of those individuals, if they do end up making that, all that stuff happen. Um, I think you do got to go in this direction, man. Um, Especially if Jamal Hill won't be back uh, by UBC 300. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. So I mean, I'm on the same page with you. I really do think that like you have a once in a lifetime chance to do something here. <laughs> like you have two guys who are arch rivals from a different fucking sport who have found their way to the top of not one but two UFC divisions, and you have the chance to do it in the main event. And they're two of the biggest stars in the sport, and you have the chance to do it in the main event of one of the biggest cards of all time. If they don't book. Alex Pahea versus Israel Desonia 3 or 5, depending on, you know, what you view it as. 
it'd be it'd be promotional malpractice. You know what I mean? Like I understand that Jamal Hill deserves a title shot upon his return, but he's not a, he's not ready to go already. I mean, it's the second quarter of next year, and that's a bit of an optimistic thing. I mean, he tore his fucking Achilles. You know, like I understand that Aaron Rodgers is trying to come back in three months right now from a torn Achilles, uh, but that's not really how that works. You know, and there are different um, sports too. Went to combat sport, and and one's a, and one is a sport where he's standing in the pocket, not really. You know. And there's still it, contact. You know, we don't want to freak out the football. No, no, of course not. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Of course not. I would never do that. You know, um, no, you have to do it. Dude. The legacy, what's on the line? Yeah, uh, a big legacy fight for Izzy, a very dangerous fight, I think, and uh, a career to. I think this would be a very if Izzy is to win, because I, I, I do have to bring up he's the other half of this, a very career defining win. You know what I mean? He couldn't get it done in kickboxing. Could can he get it done in MMA? Can he get it done in the cage? Uh, mm-hmm. And for Pejea, you know, it's kind of like, does he still stay up one-upping him? You know, does he still stay on top of him? You know, does he keep that, you know, one thing continuously above him? You know, I don't know. There's a lot of conversations, Josh, here about, like, all time where these guys are going to end at. You know what I mean? Right now, is Pejea a Hall of Famer? Who ha- Who's had the better MMA career? Is he or Pejea? You know, there's all these questions out there right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of questions. And ultimately... The UFC kind of got, I don't want to say the best outcome from this night, um, but they got, they got, you know, one of the best outcomes. It, honestly, outside of the controversy and the, with the stoppage and everything, it was a damn near perfect night for the UFC. Um, especially in terms of the co-main event, and we'll get onto that in a second, but yeah, dude, I'm just still in awe of Aspeja's win. And ultimately, the, the possibility of that UFC, UFC 300 return against Israel Adesanya. I understand the Adesanya wants to take time off. I get it. But I think if they throw enough money at him, you know, like, <laughs> he probably won't want to take as much time off as, as he originally planned. Um, so, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm down for UFC 300. Normally, I'm not a big fan of guys getting undeserved title shots, and that's exactly what this would be. But at the same time, my heavyweight division is already a clusterfuck. Jamal Hill is already still, he's going to be out with injury anyway. And it kind of lines up perfectly. I mean, it's the trilogy in the main event of UFC 300. You couldn't, you couldn't book it any better, Angel. You Couldn't know, write like, a better script, goddammit. Exactly. This is this is a it's a fucking movie script. Like how are we not how has this not been automatically booked, you know? Um Thanks, regardless man. though, man, you know, that's that's all we got on the main event, and at least for me anyway. I think that I honestly more want to talk about that co main event though. Because uh, I am I'm still in awe. You know, pre fight, Tom Aspinall said he wants to pull a bispy. He wants to step in on two weeks face a bad motherfucker and walk away with the gold. And that's exactly what he did. He pulled a fucking Bisping, dude. Facing the hard... I mean, I mean, I think pre-fight, you'd probably say for Sergey Pavlich, probably the hardest hitter in the UFC. Took a, took some big shots early. But he stayed in the pocket. He found the perfect shots himself. Gets a knockout win inside of two minutes. Tommy Aspinall is the UFC's interim heavyweight champion. And post-fight, he said... What's the point in John Jones versus Steve Miocic at this point? You know, what is the point? Let me move my career on. Let me fight the legends. Uh, you know, Dana confirmed post-fight still their plans are to book John and Miocic again. What do you think about Tom Aspinall's win, and what do you think about his potential future plans? Would you rather see Tom Aspinall versus John Jones or Steve Miocic, or would you rather see the two legends duke it out next year? I just want to see this division move on, man, whatever that would mean. At the end of the day, though, I, 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 no matter what, I do want to see that John Jones-Stipe fight. And we were talking a little bit in the pre-show. I think to 
I think I could see John sticking around for one more, maybe. I don't know. I have a weird feeling he would want to get one more in and then dip out, kind of beat one of these uh, younger, modern heavyweights that that's sticking around. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I know that I'm kind of contradicting myself because I said I'd like to see the division move on, but I just want to see the big fights happen, man. Uh, that's yeah. more than anything. Make them happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle on it. You know, as a guy who likes to see the division move and as a guy who – because, I mean, let's be honest, dude. Watching uh, Steve Miocic walk into the arena on Saturday night, have you seen the video of him limping into the arena? Yeah, they were, they were trolling the fuck out of that. Come on. I mean, didn't uh, I mean, yeah. I mean he's, 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 what is he, 42, 43 now, you know? Yeah, he's up there. He's a lifetime of wrestling and firefighting. I mean, he's he's forty one. He's gonna be forty two next year. I mean, it's 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 rough, man. I mean, and, and look, I mean, uh, like I said, that's why I'm in the middle on it because look, both of these guys are old as shit. Uh, they've been going back and forth about this fight for a long, long time now. They both said, or at the very least, Stipe said that he has no interest in fighting anybody but John. John has hinted that he has no interest in fighting anybody but Stipe, but, you know, he's admitted that he's less, you know, um, upfront and less sure about that sort of thing. I mean, and, and the division should keep moving, but at the same time, I'm also a sucker for a good fight, a good legendary fight between two all-time greats. And John Jones and Stipe Miocic, that fight would not be what it would have been five years ago or even two years ago or even last year because of John's pec injury. But at the same time, you have the chance to make one of – I mean, in my opinion, I think John is probably the UFC GOAT, you know what I mean, uh, either him and DJ. Um, the UFC's GOAT against arguably the UFC's greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. I mean, it's it's a very easy booking. If they can book that fight soon, if John's able to come back and we're not – he's not going to be out for like over a year, you know what I mean, we're not going to sit around waiting – I think, sure, book the John Stipe fight and let Tom Aspinall, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what he's going to do. But I wonder if there's the, any way they can make that happen by UFC 300. That's something we haven't even brought up yet. John fighting at UFC 300? Yeah, with Stipe. Uh, I believe that'd be way, way, way too quick of a turnaround. How long is a typical test? Like um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not educated. So yeah, so a pec injury, I only have, I have one example that I know, and that was Cody Rhodes <laughs> in oh, the man. WWE. He tore his pec, uh, I want to say, in May and came back in January. But, by the way, I've done I've done some research. I'm looking at a few different articles. Yes, yes, yes. We are not. This is not any medical advice. We are not. We are not qualified. This is just information I'm reading off the internet. It says for a low grade tear, it could take up to four to six weeks to recover, while a high grade tear could take anywhere to three to four months. Uh, obviously, it's all person dependent. And I'm looking at another article. Uh, which is the New York Sports Medicine Institute that wrote yeah. this. The healing process could take anywhere from six months to a year if there is surgery done or after surgery. Mm, and he did get surgery. Yeah. So, and then obviously, you know, the rehab and all that. It's going to be tough for him to make it. We'll see. I mean, I could see him making the date. Who knows? You know? Well, you said, well, you said what? It would be April? It's gonna be April, yeah. That's that's the plan. I mean, it's not impossible. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's not impossible. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, although Tom Aspinall has actually said the opposite. He said he wants to fight a UFC 300. So we may get Tom Aspinall defending the interim belt, but I guess I don't know against who. That's that's the weird thing, though, right? Like, who would be? 
who at this time in heavyweight would be genuinely deserving of uh, fighting Tom Aspel for the interim strap. The closest one you could say would be Jailton, I feel like. But at the same time... He's not in that position, though. No, I mean, that that Derek Lewis... I thought if he smashed Derek Lewis, maybe... What are they going to do? Are they going to give Sorogon another title shot? Is yeah, I mean, there's really third, not a whole lot. Third one? Angel, hear me out. Alexander Volkov, the rematch. It's time! It's main event to UFC 300. You know, if he wins another one, I think there's a legitimately, like, good argument there, though, all jokes aside. No, no, I, I you know, it's it's probably the best of the other guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, man, um, I, I'm very yeah. excited to see the future of uh, Tom Aspinall and who we decide to face next, man. I, he has so much potential, and it feels like he's just getting started, and that's what's so ex- exciting, you know? Well, he's so young. I mean, yeah. he's not even 30 yet or might just turn 30? I think he just turned 30, maybe? He turned 30 this year. Yeah, there you go. So he's very young, and, I mean, dude, coming in here on short notice like that, like, Jesus. So, uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, I think we should go ahead and uh, move on, though, man, because, man, uh, Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern. You know, they've they've really want Mackenzie Dern to take that step up and to become a title challenger. They keep on booking these fights where it's like, She'll win one and she'll lose one. Like, she really just needs to – she's so close to getting a title shot. And they want to give it to her. And there's another fight where it's like, okay, show your development. This is a big chance. Former champion, but she's lost three in a row, short notice. Win this one, you're good. And instead, she got fucking smashed. Uh, she got brutalized, ends up losing via second-round knockout. Jessica Andrade, former champion, back on the right track. But it felt like this is more of a loss uh, that people came out of this one being like, Jesus Christ, what's going on with Mackenzie, man? Um, what would you would you kind of make about her loss? It really just felt like her development has not really been what most people have wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, it was it was disappointing. It was very disappointing, especially from having her last fight where we saw kind of a it kind of seemed like there was a she turned a new leave. There was a little bit more there uh, to this one where we thought, okay, this is gonna be like a crossroads matchup where Jessica Andrade seems like she's going. Because either kind of seems like she's coming on. Okay, can she continue that and show that growth over a former champ in this division? And a former champ who is losing and not looking good, but is fighting across different weight classes. And it just didn't translate to that. It, it, she just ended up looking very disappointing and not very good in the striking department, man. I mean, mm-hmm. she did get a few good, decent shots in, I think, initially in the first and second round. But then after that, it was just kind of, uh, it's just kind of disappointing, man. I'll give her, I'll give her credit though. She is tough. She has a chin. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and she was game, and, and she was game as fuck, you know, um, because she did step up, in, and there were a couple there were a couple moments where she pushed Andrade's head back with a jab, I remember in that second round, she wobbled Andrade with a big right, like, she stayed in the pocket, and she threw some big ones, and I definitely think some of the talk has been overblown, like, I, Joe Rogan said on commentary, like, I've never seen a fighter this deep into the career flailing, you know, this badly, and I'm like, well, Joe, she's very concussed right now in the second round. So, you know, like, she's tried multiple takedowns and failed, and she's clearly gassed and getting and has a fucking concussion. But, you know, like, I do think some of the talk was overblown. But at the same time, I mean, dude, like, she is, you know, she's 30 now. And at that age, 
whatever you are, you're probably going to be that. Like, her development has not been exactly what people wanted to see. And now, granted, had she beat Yan Jonan and that was a close fight, she would have got a title shot. And Marine Rodriguez, same case. This was by far the worst loss of her UFC career, though. I mean, she just got brutalized in this one. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, in terms of Andrade, though. Oh, this uh, is great. Yeah, I mean, great, dude. I mean, what did you think about her performance? Because this is something that she needed. And she got a 50K bonus, so happy for her. All the winners got a bonus right on this card, I believe, right? Um, Let me double-check. No. All the all the main card. All well, the main yeah. card, yeah. That, that, that's, yeah. That's what I mean. No, that's what we're but, okay. I mean, I think this is kind of a, a good sign. I think uh, this probably shows she's probably stay at 115, which, look, granted, I know her last two have been at a – at straw weight, but I mean, I think she, you know, shouldn't go over to flyweight. Obviously, the Aaron Blanchfield fight was a mistake, but she wanted to do it with good intention, right? Because of the opportunity, and I get it. And she has found success at those other weight classes, but it's like her greatest time has been at straw weight. And like I said, as long as she doesn't have great performance at flyweight, obviously, the Laura Murphy performance at its time was great. I mean, that was just early this year, and she kind of, kind of recreated that to an extent once again here late in the year. Um, obviously rough in between, but she, she had that nice sandwich to close it out, you know? So hopefully next year we can kind of, uh, see a continuation and kind of her kind of get back to where she was once at. And there was a lot of stuff that I found out this week that I didn't know about. Like, I know she was going through a divorce and all that, and that had started early on in the year. And maybe she was trying to fight a lot to not have her mind on that. Uh, <laughs> fucking Joe made some comment about it too. I don't remember if you saw that post fight. He's like, yeah, I'm sure that bonus would be nice to pay some of those divorce bills or some shit. Like oh that. yeah, well, that, that this was this really was it was the fight of divorces, bro. Like that's literally what it was. They were both going through a divorce, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong. By the way, did you see that rampage clip? No, no, what happened on his podcast? Okay, so he was on. They went on that uh, Jackson podcast or whatever, like the fucking whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure that's literally rampage's podcast. But yeah, rampage's podcast, and uh, <laughs> this is before she got divorced, and her dad's in her corner, which I didn't know that, but her dad was there. And yeah. her, at the time, husband was there, former husband was there. And Rampage is like, I have, a, I have a question for you. So, when you say daddy, who responds? Your dad or your husband? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, ask that, bro. Like, shamelessly, right then and there, dude. What a guy. Yeah, dude, I He's, think, I, I think, yeah. I think Rampage had like an autistic outbreak or something right there, dude, because he just couldn't prevent himself from asking Jesus. it. And you can tell his co-host was just so embarrassed. <laughs> He's like, he was like, he's like, Rampage. He's like, Quinn, come, 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 what? Come on, what are you doing? How are you going to ask that when her dad's right there? And she just, she laughed it off. She was smiling. She didn't say anything, really. That's pretty crazy. That's that's pretty fucking funny. Uh, By the way, I don't think we talked about this. It was a demonic. Um, Rampage and Shannon Briggs are apparently going to fight in February. What do you think about that? I know. We, I fucking, I forgot to mention that. That was a while ago when I saw that. What are they going to fight in, though? They're going to fight in boxing, apparently. I don't know who's promoting it. I don't know anything outside of the fact that they were in Saudi Arabia and they confirmed it. Oh, well, there you go. Shit of the cannon. Let's go, champ. He's coming. Well, actually, Shannon said he's having this fight, and then he's going to have ten more fights, and then he's going to fight Tyson Fury. <laughs> dude, my boy, Rampage. Dude, you know how old Shannon is? He's 51. Dude. Like, holy fuck. He's doing, he's, do, hey, he's doing fucking George Foreman 2.0, okay? He's fucking old, he's 10 years older than George Foreman when he's, he's doing it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I had to bring that up though. But, uh, regardless, dude, um, moving on on UFC 295. This, this fucking guy, <laughs> this fucking guy, every time he, he comes back, 
I'm just more and more impressed. Benoit St. Denis, the god of war, scores a first-round head kick knockout win over Matt Frivola. You know, it, for the most part, he's been a very wild guy, Benoit does. He actually came out very poised here, came out very technical, and it looked like Matt Frivola was the guy. He was kind of more uneasy being in there. And it took all of a minute 31 for him to get the knockout win. Uh, what did you think about that fight, man? No, I mean, impressive. I mean, we picked him a win. It was probably like my lock of the week or the one I was most comfortable with. Because, I mean, I said on the show, Matt Frivola for me is one of those guys that I really wasn't 100% set, dead set on him being in the rankings. And that's like he didn't deserve it, but as far as like him being as good as those other guys there and above him and potentially even below him. And, uh, I mean, this fight just, you know, kind of confirmed that for me, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I know it's just one, but I just had this feeling and say these came out and did work, man. He closed it out. And, uh, I mean, we, we watched that one. We all reacted to that one live together. I mean, the head kick finish was insane. Um, beautiful dude, just catching him as he's going away. I mean, it was, it was a sick finish. I mean, it might've been highlight of the, I mean, in my opinion, one of the highlights of the night, if we're not talking about, uh, maybe even the co, you know, up there with the co-main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was an insane, it was an insane moment, dude. And he's a guy that, like, he's, it just blows my mind. I mean, he's the future, dude. He's 27 years old. He's ranked number 11. Who do you think would be next for him now? In the lightweight rank, he's just beat a ranked guy who was coming off of some big fucking wins. If you had to take a look at the lightweight ranks right now, who do you want to see the Frenchman face next? Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner, RDA. It's a very good pick. I think a very, a very, a very big push, uh, Fiziv. Mm. Very big it seems like they're kind of taking the more slow approach with this guy, though. Yeah, so that's you know that's what I'm saying. Jalen Turner RDA seems like pretty pretty appropriate uh, choices in my opinion. I think they should do a fucking Jalen Turner five round main event in the Apex. Fuck it. If you're gonna you do those Apex cards where like they're not very high ranked, you might as well make some bangers, right? Yeah, I mean what I mean that's that's my big that's honestly my biggest issue with the Apex. You know what I mean? Like you could do so many unranked like unranked guys in the main event. Or they can do fun or fight for five rounds, but they just choose not to, you know? Um, that fight would be an excellent one, five rounds in the Apex, dude. Jalen Turner versus fucking Benoit. Both guys trying to break through. Like, let's, let's fucking go, you know? Let's go, um, champ. We got to hit up that new UFC matchmaker. Tell him tell him what's up, you know? They got a UFC um, matchmaker? I didn't know that. that. That guy who won it through, he, like, won the thing. He won the matchmaking contest, and they hired him. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know they actually did that. Damn, I should have got on that shit. I know, right? I forgot not doing it. I could have had a new job, bro. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I mean, uh, next up, opening up the main card, this is a quick one. Uh, Diego Lopez, is he's another guy. He is the future. Gets a first-round knockout win versus Pat Sabatini. Wasn't even close. What did you make about his performance on Saturday? Wow. I mean, I was surprised. Uh, for me, I thought Pat Sabatini was a little better. Uh, Pat Sabatini is one of the guys that I really enjoy a lot, and I think he still has a lot of potential. Diego Lopez, like I told you, he was a guy that I've known about for quite some time now. And I, and at times I felt kind of, I was like, why is he not in the UC yet? Why is he not getting that push? And then he got in the contender series and fell short against Joe Anderson Brito and did not look very good in that. Like, here I have time, Josh. I'd recommend go watching that one back. And, uh, for me, I was like, okay, then damn, he's, I, I, for me, I was like, he's definitely not ready for this level. He just didn't look good at all in that mm-hmm. one, in my opinion. I think it might have been one of his, I mean, probably one of his worst performances ever. And then he finally gets, he gets the late call up against Movistar, looks kind of good, gets a little bit of attention behind that, uh, gets him, obviously gets his previous win, it was an armbar finish, can't remember who it was over the top, uh, off the top of my head. And then he shows up again here on the main card, he gets a finish over Pat Sabatini. I mean, look, it's looking good. 
I just don't like I said, I felt a little uneasy way back when when he came on the contender series and kind of had that mm-hmm. that rough first fight there and uh, fell short on getting the contract. But he's a dog. He has a good jiu-jitsu game. We know that, and uh, he does have he carries some decent power in the hands. I mean, he has a lot of potential. I think it's just a matter if he's able to put it all together, show up on those nights, and and get those big wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he has a great jiu-jitsu game. He's very explosive. Young guy too. Like I understand why you. De- There's definitely some cause for concern, but he appears to be the future man. He appears and he's, to be and he's a that's coach. Be- that's another big thing too that no one ever talks about. He's one of the. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu coaches at the Lobo Gym and all that, and he teaches the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes and all that. Like, he's still very proactive. You'll see him all the time in the Mexican fighter corners. Like, he he is there. Yeah, which shows his level, too. Level of knowledge and all that. So, yeah, he's he's a great dude. I'm very excited for his future. You know, in terms of the rest of the card, though, used 295. Look, those prelims weren't exactly super stacked, but there were a couple of great performances to come out of them. Which fights do you most want to talk about? Oh man, where do we start? I mean, we we gotta give credit where credit is due. We gotta give we gotta give some love to the ladies first. Lupita Gonzalez, man, uh, she is here, right? Like she's she's kind of cemented herself now in this mm-hmm. division. I think it's official after this one. Uh, wow, her rise has been so fun. Can we just yeah. say that? I think one of the most fa- funnest and fascinating uh, female fighters that we have. Uh, she's fun to watch. She has a good personality. Obviously, she has a country backing her. Um, she has a lot of good attributes to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, dude, like you said, one of the most fun rises of the UFC, because I don't think anybody saw this coming either. I mean, she signed to the UFC back in, you know, 2020, late 2020. She debuted with a loss to Jessica Panay, who's like ancient, and I think was like coming off of like that super long layoff, you know? That's like a really bad sign. But dude, she just stayed working, and I remember after her... uh she had those fights where she stepped in on, like, a week's notice or two weeks' notice, and she had that really active streak. And she's had four fights this year already, so she's always been active. Oh, yeah. I remember after that, you know, that short notice when she had, she was like, you know, I, I see contenderships around the corner, you know. And I remember some people, I remember seeing, like, someone made, like, a post of that, like, wait, this is, like, two years ago. And then uh, some people were like, oh, God, who is she? You know, she's no, like, oh, she hasn't beaten anybody good. And it's like, two years later, motherfucker, now see where she's at, you know. Like, <laughs> right. in the top 15, Four wins in a year. Uh, by the way, uh, we didn't mention it. This fight was a split decision. What the fuck was that judge watching, dude? Uh, Thirty twenty-seven we- Ricci's the best card of the year. <laughs> Clearly not what we were watching. I'll say that. Yeah, the funniest card of the year, I guess. Not best, but in terms of you know pure hilarity. Brian Miner, thirty twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, this- yeah, insanity, right? Yeah, this guy. Jesus, you know. Pretty rough, man. Pretty rough. Um, no, I'm glad that she got the win, though. Ultimately, the, the right person got the dub. So. She deserves a push after this. Like, who do you think she should fight? Because she's only ranked 11. I think you need to give her someone up there. Uh, Verna Genaroba, who's ranked 7 right now, is in a two-fight win streak, I think would be a decent out. That's a very good fight. Um, I know Amanda. Scrambles in that fight would be a lot of fun, man. Amanda Lemos is up there as well. I know that's a big push she's for. I don't know. I think you got to give her... Like you got to get her going, unless you want to. Do you want to throw her Mackenzie Dern? You know, like I don't know. I don't know what the right. I'm looking at the division right now, Josh, and I really don't know what the correct fight to go is. Mm-hmm. Um, because what is it in her last? What is that? Four, five, six, seven. Her last seven, she's six and one. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty formidable. I mean, you, she deserves a a game opponent. Mm-hmm. Carla Esparza upon her return. I mean, I know oh, that. I know it's a big push. I know that's, what is she, like three or four? She's up there. 
Carla Sparks is still ranked number one. Wait, she's still number one. That is wild. That's just because she. That's just because she lost the title. You know. I, I know, but still, <laughs> it is pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I do. I think all those fights honestly make a lot of sense. I mean, Verna Jangerova is probably the one I want to see the most. I think she just needs a push. I think that's when you yeah. go. I think they need to put her against someone high, and I think probably Jangerova is probably the best. It's yeah. probably the best option because she, you know, she has wins under her, and she has, and like I said, she's on a, on a decently sized. Uh, she's well ranked, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She is. Um, yeah, man, excited to see what Loopy does next. I mean, they they can't. There's, I don't think they can go wrong with her. I think she needs a big push, but like she's very exciting. Every in, I don't know. I'm just very excited to see her next fight. Um, and especially just her rise has just come out of nowhere, and I always love that shit. So we'll see. Um. Nonetheless, man, in terms of the rest of the prelims, I mean, Steve Ersteg picking up a win. You'll love to see it. Um, Nazim Sedikov and Vilashev Borshev having a crazy majority draw. I mean, those two guys were beating the fuck out of each other. <laughs> they, were just, they were just trading rounds. Like, that first round, I'd say, was pretty close, you know. But that second round was just brutal. And, you know, they, just, <laughs> they flipped it again and going into the third. So, uh, yeah, just I love back-and-forth swings like that in fights. They dropped uh, each other, right? They did. They both dropped each other throughout. Yeah. That's always crazy, too. You love to see that, though. Yeah. Um, Jared Gordon and Mark Matt. Dude, like, I know that uh, I, I was, like, the only one watching this fight at the time. <laughs> I saw but, the uh, finish. What do you mean? I was there. No, no, I mean, no, no, I mean, like, in the four minutes leading up to the finish. It was very interesting, you know? Because <laughs> nothing really happened because they were in the clinch, but it was very interesting because I was just watching them in the clinch, and Mark Matt was just fucking Jared Gordon was just getting his ass kicked in the clinch. But, dude. It only takes one, you know, landed that right. And that was it. You know, it was a really, it was a really cool finish. Um, and for Jared Gordon, a guy that's like dealt with some shit over the last year, you know, like the Patty fight, the Bobby Green, no contest. He's dealt with some shit. So for him to get that win in his hometown too, it's an it's awesome a, moment. It's a pretty good opponent. I know Marco Metzen is on the older end, a wrestler, but well-deserved, right? Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. Um, Marco Messi, though, yeah. one of my biggest, like, what-ifs, you know, if he did it a little sooner, right? Yeah. I think time, like, like I said, I think he's one of those guys that I think just time was against him. No, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, you know, in terms of the rest of the card, man, any closing thoughts before we go ahead and move on? Uh, not too much, man. I, th- I thought it was a pretty good pay-per-view. It ended up being really fun. Um, I was I was satisfied. I, th- I think this was a fun one. I wouldn't say it was the best one, but it was it was pretty enjoyable. It had a lot of moments, lots of finishes. I mean, every every fight on the on the main card was a finish, so you can't complain, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was insane, dude. I mean, it was a, a single, not a single fight made it to round three. I mean, <laughs> that's fucking insane. At least on the main card, anyway. Yeah. Nonetheless, man, it was an incredible night, incredible night of fights. But we still got some more fights to talk about, boys. We've got some a lot of fights this weekend, and we're gonna go and hit it off. If you're DTF, this is your weekend. Factual. You got you got not one but two fight cards, big ones. Let's go. UC Vegas 82 going down from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, we said earlier, uh, at least I said earlier. I think that like if they're gonna do these Apex shows, they got they should might as well just have lower ranked guys who are very exciting. I think this fight actually fits that bill perfectly. Two guys who are ranked in the middleweight division but not ranked very highly. Number ten versus number eleven, Brendan Allen. Riding a five-fight winning streak, and yet still somehow flying under the radar, it feels like. Um, taking on Paul Craig, the longtime veteran, the Bear Jew, moved down to middleweight earlier this year in July, picking up a win over Andre Muniz. 
Very excited to see this fight, man. What do you think about it? I'm excited. I mean, I think this is a big time one. Obviously, Paul Greg, like you said, making his change, uh, weight change and surprising me personally with that Andre Muniz win because I did not think he would win that one at the time. Uh, I mean, let's see if, if the change continues to work. I, I mean, personally, I don't think it will. I think Brandon Allen's a game opponent. He's intelligent. He's coming to. I think he's hitting his prime from what it's looking like, and he wants that opportunity to the title, and he's dangerous right now. Uh, he's a man on a mission. He's 27 years old. He's going to turn 28 in December. He has a lot of time left in his sport, and the fact that he's looking this great already with damn near almost 30 fights, I mean, he's an impressive talent, man. you got to say it. Uh, will, will Brandon Allen look here in six years? You know what I mean? Like It's kind of scary to even think about that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's he's already so good. How is he going to look you know, as time continues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a big fight for him, too, because this will get him – you know, he's he's number 10 right now. Uh, I don't know how much they will push him with the rankings, but after, if he does get a win here, I would assume he gets a big push. Like he's gonna have to get a decently sized name. He would be deserving of it. Uh, he would be entering if he were to win. What is that? Three? Is that one, two, three, four, five, six? Potentially six by win streak in 185. Where where you need a new face is granted. No, Izzy is no longer the champ, so you know some some guys who were at the top can kind of get their opportunity once again. But who wouldn't want? Uh, a completely new look in the division, and especially a young guy at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, I mean, I think Brendan Allen, like you said, he's a special talent. And I think, look, how is Paul Craig going to win this fight? It's going to be his jits. He's going to win it on the mat. And realistically speaking, dude, he only has one pathway to victory. And I think Brendan Allen, I think he's too well-rounded to get caught up in that, you know? Yeah. Um, he's showing a lot of skill. He's shown that he's been very well-rounded, but he also has to a lot of finishing ability. I mean, heading into this fight, he's won four of his last five by finish, by submission, you know? That, that, that's pretty tippable, right? You got to tip that. Yeah, but even on the feet, he's still a very competent guy. He hits hard, you know? Um, he has some big strike. He's had some big moments. I think this is – I mean, I don't think this will be not coming out part because I don't think anybody really – I don't want to say nobody pays attention to these Apex cards, but it's clear, you know, like obviously – This one will be underappreciated. It will be, but I do think that it's going to be a uh, – it could be Brendan Allen's coming back party if they had, like, a crowd for this one, because I think he's going to win this one in style, man. I mean, oh, I've been yeah. very high on this kid for a very long time. It's, it's his moment, and look, we can't we can't take anything away from Paul Craig because he's tough. No, he's great. Paul Craig's awesome. His, his winning streak, you know, or before he, you know, had struggled up a light, have a weight, you know. He's had some big moments, so – Sorry, not to cut you off. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, a, no, you're good. I was just, I was just letting you go, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a great guy. He's very good. He's very tough. He's very game as fuck. But yeah, dude. I mean, he's the older guy here. His only, this is only second fight at 185. Still don't really know. Still don't have all of our questions answered. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, that being said, they have a very interesting coin, man. I don't want to say great, but it's interesting. Jake Matthews, who. Up and down. I mean, he's a long-time UC vet at this point, which makes me feel pretty old, but he's been in the UC for about 10 years now. Um, coming off of a submission win over Darius Flowers in July, he's been up and down recently. He's had some big wins, some big losses. Taking on the undefeated Michael Morales, 15-0 and out of Mexico, fighting out of Mexico, excuse me. Uh, last defeated Max Payne Griffin in July. Uh, only three fights deep into his UFC journey. We'll see what he can do here. Up at Walter Ray. Who do you got in this one, man? Man, once again, dude, another another incredible young talent. I mean, both. I mean, Jake Matthews is even still young, twenty nine, 
and kind of for a little bit there, it kind of seemed like he was going to kind of start taking, kind of pushing, right? He did have, you know, get stopped in the strikes by Sean Brady, Nancy Smellsberger, but it doesn't mean he can't recover. Um, Hakim Morales, I mean, 15, 15 and 0, undefeated, uh, an Ecuadorian at DACA, man, a country that we don't necessarily think of when it comes to MMA. And I mean, a lot of finishes on his record, very successful, like you said, turning out of Mexico. Uh, if it's taking it pretty slow with him, even though it kind of seems like this guy has a lot of potential, but once again, Josh, Michael Brown is 24 years old. He turned 24 this year. What the actual fuck? I mean, it makes sense why they're taking it slow, but it's pretty insane when you've seen how he's performed against some of these, mm-hmm. like, guys who've pretty been around the game kind of a while. I mean, Max Griffin was a game opponent that took him to distance. He had to, I wouldn't say necessarily dig deep in that, but it had to, had to go to distance to win that fight. He, he wasn't able to get a finish. He was trying to, but he, in the end, he couldn't get it. Uh, still had a great performance. And, uh, they're throwing him in, uh, I'd say another guy with decent bit of experience, has had his moments, also young. I, I'm pretty happy the direction they're going with his career. We've seen kind of the as of lately, Josh, the UFC, and we kind of complained about this for a little while that their matchmaking with young guys and guys with potential talent wasn't always the best at times, but as of recently, I want to say within, I'd say more, pretty much this year, it's been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a big part of that is that they're actually trying to, like, build guys. You know what I mean? Like, for a long time, I feel like the UC had no idea how to build these guys. You know, if they're young, they're just like, let's just put them on a big card and just keep on escalating the level of competition. You know what I mean? Like, but they're actually giving these guys time to develop now. Like, for example, like you mentioned, Michael Morales is very young. And he's three fights deep into his UFC career, but he's had three fights in the span of, like, what, three, like, two and a half years? Like, he's not very active, but they're letting, they're giving him that time to develop. And this is a perfect matchup for the point in time that he's at. Undefeated, he won a final contender, he's won three in the UFC so far, taking on a guy that's unranged but a veteran. They got, they got this one right, and I honestly think this is a great matchup for Michael Morales, man. I think he's going to get a win on Saturday. Like, I, just, I like Jake Matthews a lot, but I think stylistically it's a very good fight for Michael Morales. What do you think? No, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jake Massey's game opponent. I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up getting the win here. Uh, but Michael Massey's looked like that fucking guy, man. I mean, as far as we're talking like really, really young talent, like if there was an under 25 list, I would put Michael Morales near the top of that. Yeah. Yeah, same, same. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very high ceiling, you know? Yeah. So, and I, think at least, well, at least what we could tell, right? I mean, this will be another telling fight. Yeah, exactly. So. We will see, dude. We will see. And I think this is going to be an excellent fight, man. So, nonetheless, in terms of the rest of this UFC Vegas card, um, look, it's it's not very deep, but there is some very good fights on it, man. Which ones do you most want to talk about? Oh, man, there's, there's just quite a bit. I think, like I said, there's a lot of young people. I think their matchmaking was pretty solid on this whole card. I mean, we got to go one down, a fight that that hurts me, but I'm excited for. Jordan Levitt, Chase Hooper, two kind of grappling, fo- grappling-focused guys. Uh and both young taking each other on. Chase Hooper now fighting at 155. The weight change seems to be looking good. His, we fucking, there was all those memes. Max Holloway, Chase Hooper, you know? <laughs> yeah. He, he was entering the Matrix. Like, I don't know, I'm kind of excited. I mean, this is a, this is a nice, I mean, it, it, like I said, it pains me because I like both personalities so much. But it's a good fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a genuinely great fight, dude. I mean, and it's not a fight I would have thought about either, you know? Um, they were, they almost made fucking Chase Hooper versus Joe Lozon. Remember that fight? Jesus Christ, we're talking that one now. But now we're getting this one with Jordan Levin. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're giving Chase Hooper some big matchups, man. You know? Um, another grappler though. 
Yeah. So in, in ultimately, these changes in this one on the matter, what's going to be really exciting, you know. Um, this is, I mean, in my opinion, and I, they could have easily put this in the co-main event. I would have not had a problem with it. Just because stylistically, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I agree. I think that would have been a fun one. Yeah, stylistically, it's going to be a very fun fight. Um, also on the main card, a, a battle of Brazilians, Luana Piero, who is just, you know, she's, she's won four in a row in the UFC, last defeated Michelle Washington, taking on Amanda Hebos. Uh, this should be a bounce back for Hebos, more than likely. Um, at least I think so. I think it's a good matchup for her, man. And, and she's coming off of that loss to Macy Barber that was just a brutal fight. I mean, holy shit. Uh, they beat the fuck out of each other. Both women bloodied, mainly Hebos, unfortunately. Um, yeah, man, excited to see her come back. You know, in terms of the prelims, dude, I mean, Jonathan Pierce, who's has one of the most low-key winning streaks in the UCA, taking on Joe Anderson Brito, that's going to be a banger. That, that's a hard fight. Yeah, that's going to be a very hard fight for him. But, it, dude, they, on paper, those boys are going to be swinging, you know? Um, very excited for that fight. And then I also have to shout out uh, Lu- <laughs> Lucy Padovalova taking on Eileen Perez. I mean, two goats, you know? <laughs> So, yeah. And what do you got, man? What fights are you most excited for? Uh, man, I, this is a, a young guy on the on the main card. I'm surprised he's on the main card at that. Peyton Talbot. He fought Tracy Cortez's brother on the Kendi series, and holy fuck, did this could look very good for 25 years old, taking on a, a very experienced uh, Reyes Cortez, who's, you know, 31, been around the fight game for a while, obviously, sisters in the UFC, um, had, a, had a decent uh, AMI career as well. I mean, Payton Tablet looked like the full package, dude. I mean, very young, seems to have abilities everywhere. I mean, definitely check him out. Uh, as well, Mick Parkin, heavyweight, English. Uh, we saw him, early, I think, was it earlier this year? He was a fun guy. I liked his personality. I'm excited to see him back. Last time out, I took out Jamal Poggs. Um, and then, the, you know, I always got to shout out my boy out, Chad and Halliger. Super yeah. fun guy to watch. And uh, another Englishman. Chris Leroy Duncan, sadly not getting the matchup I wanted. He was supposed to fight a uh, originally someone else. I can't remember who. But regardless, he, he's still on the card. I'm happy they were to scrap it together. I'm excited for this one. Very excited for that one, yeah. I mean, Chad and uh, Geller, one of the more entertaining guys not at Bantamweight that's relatively young. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be an excellent, excellent card. You know, at least on paper, there should be some fights that like, it's another one of those, one, it's another one of those nice. These Apex cards are becoming just lower ranked guys, but there are matchups across it. Literally across there's some, that there's, there's some bangers. I think it'd be like yeah. one of those sleeper cards that it's not like big on names. Yeah. I mean, in that main event too, I mean, I'm a big fan of that main event. So that's a big part of it for me too. So, um, we will yeah. see, we'll see how that goes. But I say, I say that the whole main card is very good for me personally. I know maybe not for everybody else, maybe some of the casual fans, but yeah. I'm very excited for that whole main card. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, in terms of the rest of uh, this week, though, there is more than just the UFC. Bellator 301 is going down this Friday night from the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, there were questions if this card would proceed. Apparently, it's set to go as of right now. Uh, in the main event, Yaroslav Amosov taking on Jason Jackson. We know the story here. Yaroslav Amosov, 27-0. I mean, fucking fighting out of Ukraine, okay? He was on the front lines, and now he's back here to defend his title, taking on the ass-kicking machine, Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson, the guy that never really got much attention uh, throughout most of his MMA career. Even during his current win streak, he has not gotten the attention that he deserves. But, dude, his current win streak is unreal. Beating guys like Jordan Mien. 
Benson, Henderson, Neiman, Gracie, Paul, Daly, Douglas, Lima to finally get this title shot. In terms of the rest of the card, some other big fights, too. What do you think about that main event, man? It's going to be uh, – I'm very excited for this fight. No, I mean, it's it's a guy with the best active record in MMA. Obviously, his story is incredible. Obviously, when during the time – I mean, obviously, all the stuff going on in Russia and Ukraine, he, he went out there and, and you know did some services – a very respectful, and then came back and had a great performance in his return against Lloyd Storley. Um, look, I mean, Jason Jackson has a tough one out, man. I, I, I wish him the best. He, like I said, he didn't get a lot of a love and attention during his winter and even before that. But hopefully he makes a good of a count himself, and I think it's a great main event. I think these guys will put on a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I think these guys are going to put on a nice show. But I honestly think the best fight of the card, and probably the best fight of the entire weekend, uh, is Sergio Pettis versus Patchy Mix. Um, Sergio Pettis, we know the story, dude, came to Bellator and is just leveled up. I mean, Patricio Pitbull, Koji Horiguchi, Juan Archuleta, Ricky Bendejas, he's been some really great guys. Taking on the interim champion, Patchy Mix, who his run through that World Grand Prix, just fucking unreal. Rufus Stotts, Magomed Magomedov, and Koji Horiguchi. Uh, and even before that, he battered James Gallagher in Dublin. I mean, these are two of the greatest bantamweights on the planet. What do you think about this one, man? I'm excited, man. I mean, look, we've got to, like you said, I mean, Patchy Mix, there's a legitimate argument that he might be the best 135-er on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's legitimately in that conversation. Uh, he's so fucking good. Um, so much time left in his career, too. And he gets a shot at the, I guess, official title right now that uh, Sergio returned because they, technically, the tournament title was just the interim slash ter- tournament title as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Did I, did I lose you? Yeah, no, I think I think we're good. I think it glitched out for a second, but I think we're back. Oh yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay. Anyways, yeah. I mean, this fight, dude. They're fighting out. They're fighting for the undisputed title. Patchimix won the interim title by winning the Grand Prix, um, and a million dollars too. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be an excellent fight, dude. I believe. Um, like I said, it's probably the best fight overall of this entire weekend. It's a, it's not getting any real attention, which is a fucking shame. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an excellent fight, dude. I mean, in terms of the rest of this Bellator card, uh, any fights you want to highlight? Oh, yeah, I mean, Josh, there's there's so many, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's about seven. There's fucking 30 fights on this thing, so I guess that's a bad question to ask. But what fights six, are you most six, excited? 16, 16. But no, what I'm, no, but what I'm trying to say is there's so many great fights. Um I mean, Josh, we got to go one down. I mean, look, potentially, I've, I'm curious to see how it is running it back. Rufion Sots, Dan Sabatella, I mean, the lead-up to that fight was great. The shit talk was good. The fight ended up being a little disappointing. Well, not a little. It ended up being disappointing, I'm going to be honest. But regardless, I mean, they're doing it back. I'm kind of surprised about that because, like I said, the fight ended up not being very good. But see what happens the second time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those guys are too good of a rival. I'm glad they rescheduled it because they have too good of a rivalry to just have that first fight. You know what I mean? Like, that first fight sucks. So hopefully this this second one is a lot more fun. Um, I mean, this main card is actually very solid. I mean, I, I joke that there's like 17,000 fights on this one, which is kind of the case for every Bellator card now because they're just trying to run out some of those contracts. Um, but, yeah, dude, I mean, AJ McKee, Sydney Outlaw is a banger. Patricky yeah. pit-bolting on Alexander Shabley should be a lot of fun. The main cards for all these Bellator cards are always pretty generally solid. Uh, in terms of prelims, though, um, Denise Kielholz, Sumiko Inabata should be a great fight. Very entertaining. Both of them quite fun strikers. Uh, Tyro Fortune, Marcelo Gome as well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean the 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 wife of I believe um excuse me, Gilbert Melendez returning. Carrie Taylor Melendez. Uh so that should be fun as well. That was random as fuck when I saw that by the way, because I saw it on uh, Nate's Instagram like a little while back. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, I think it's funny how both uh he and Benson Benson Henderson, uh, former rivals, Benson Henderson and Gilbert Melendez. Both their wives are now, they're both now retired and both of their wives are now fighting. Are they, do they fight the same weight class by any chance? Could that matchup ever happen? Oh man, I'd have to check. I, I don't even know if Benson Henderson's, I think his wife just made it, her, uh, amateur debut. Oh, it was an Amy debut? I didn't know that. Oh, never mind. She set for her pro debut last year. I don't know if she won or not. Because if so, I mean, we're just about to book the, book the greatest fight of all time. I mean, yeah, Marie right. Hendricks, she's one and one. So. They can make it happen. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. Come on, Bellator. Have some fun. By the way, since we're talking, we didn't really, like, talk about it too much. You kind of, like, highlighted there a little bit, but the Pitbull and Shabli fight, should we, do we want to highlight the Umar situation a little bit? Not the, is it, not Umar, uh, God, why am I blanking? Usman. Usman, Usman. Who's the one to make a situation? Because now they don't have a they don't have anybody on the opposite side of the bracket now. So like, is it would like they could have technically made this one for the title, couldn't they? Um, no, because from my understanding, and this is from my understanding, so Usman's already been stripped. He will not be in the finale. Brent Primus is going on to the finale. Okay, not gonna lie, that's whack as shit. <laughs> not really, though. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, I mean, know, well, Usman shouldn't have fucking tested positive, I guess. You know, you're, like you're, not, you're not, you're not yeah. wrong, but I'm like, it's kind of weird to have Brent Primus there. You know what I mean? It is weird because you know <laughs> he only got he's only in the fucking thing because Sydney Outlaw got replaced. He, he had to replace Sydney Outlaw. Then he who lost, also, who, by the way, who Sydney Outlaw is also fucked for something. Yeah, what's going on with Bellator's, dude? Yeah, I mean, Usman, I mean, did I don't they, know. Did they change that to a no contest, by the way? It's officially no contest, and Usman has been stripped, yeah. Okay, I was actually curious about that. So I guess, okay, well. Well, Josh, you know how I said it. Well, Brent Primus finally got his shot. Brent Primus will once again have another <laughs> opportunity late in his career to obtain the 155 trap in Bellator. It's actually kind Bro. of wild. It's kind yeah. of wild how, like, how at the end of his career, it's like still like... They're still giving him that lifeline, right? The word, like, the universe is. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, It's so funny to me. I mean, we talked about how for, like, a while there. And Brent Brim, Brim, you know, he was right. He was right that, like, they were kind of not treating him with the respect that other former champions have gotten the promotion and so on and so forth. But it is really funny that he's found his way to the, to the finals of this fucking thing. <laughs> Like, I, I can't think of another parallel. I mean, he got in only because of a fucking guy failing a test. He beat, I believe, Barnaway, who was, like, the least proven guy of the tournament. He got fucked up by Usman, and now he's moving on to the finale anyway. I mean, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, dude, we could act, we'll see a fucking finale of Patricky Pitbull versus Brent Primus for the lightweight title. <laughs> Just imagine, dude. Um, anyways, yeah, I mean, in terms of any, any closing thoughts on this Bell Tour uh, 301 card before we go and move on. Uh, I mean, nothing else off the top of my head, man. I'm just very excited to come back and kind of highlight everything. I mean, there's so many fights going on. Bellator has a good card. So there's going to be a, a lot to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't even know what next UFC card will be. Is Who's the main event for that? Let me look real quick. 
skip to it real quick. Is there even one next week? Or is this our week? There off? is no one UFC, there is no UFC next week. I believe we will have a uh, we'll have fan questions next week. We'll have a bye week. So so our following the following week we'll be talking about Vinyoda or Armand Saryukin. Which is a banger. That'll be a fun fight to come back to. And that's also the one with the, the five round combing event as well. So Oh Bobby Green Dan Hooker, right? Yes, sir. Oh. So we'll see. Um anyways, man, we do have a fair bit of news to talk about. And First up, dude, this is the most boxing shit of all time. But I'm not that mad at it, uh, because it's actually pretty genuinely great fights. Um, we have Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. They will not be fighting each other. However, they will each be returning on December 23rd in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. In the main events, Anthony Joshua will face former title challenger Otto Valin. Meanwhile... We in the co-main event, we will have Deontay Wilder facing former champion Joseph Parker. Uh, other fights have yet to be announced. However, I'm hearing rumblings of Dimitri Bivol, a couple of other ones. And uh, this fight card should actually be officially announced today as we're filming. This pod won't come out for like another day or two. But they're going to have the press conference today officially announcing the fights. So I guess I just got to ask, Angel, uh, look, man, we kind of, you know, we heard the talks about Joshua Wilder. Uh, all year long, in the end, they're not going to fight each other, and but they are going to be returning on the same date, and hopefully to hopefully set a fight for next year. What do you think about it, man? Um, I know a lot of people were very mad about this, understandably so. At the same time, though, I got to admit these are actually pretty good fights. Dude, I just found out Wilder's thirty-eight. That just fucks with my brain. <laughs> no, that makes sense though. That makes sense. No, I mean I'm sure the math math, but holy fuck, did that fuck with my brain hard? Yeah, I mean, look. Regardless, about the card wise, fight wise, dude, it's a like if all those fights end up coming true and they're confirmed, it's a very, very strong boxing card, and there's no argument for it in my opinion, because notoriously, and there's no argument against this in my opinion. Boxing cards, for the most part, as a whole, I mean, from top to bottom, are very, very weak, and if they end up making this, this would be a very, very strong card. And on top of that, all Heavyweights, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought Bivol and Lyndon Arthur, obviously. And yeah. uh, off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else would be a heavyweight. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It is really wild, dude. Yeah, I mean, of those of those fights, which one are you most, more excited for? They're going to have AJ in the main event. I find that an uh, interesting decision, because I actually think that the Wilder-Joshua-Parker fight is far more interesting. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you on that. I'm very interested. I'm far more interested in the Wilder-Joshua-Parker fight. But there's so many there's so many great options, though. I wouldn't... I, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. Maybe the weakest out of all of them, in my personal opinion. And it's just because of of where they're at in their career and invalid. Probably Ars Blanc, Mahmoudov, and maybe Daniel the Voice and Jarrell Miller near the bottom, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. I personally would enjoy maybe the Frank Sanchez potential matchup or the uh Philip Higrovich fight a little bit more. But and granted we don't know if those are confirmed. These are all rumored. Uh but yeah, I mean like I said, there's there's and even then those are all still great fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, it's a genuinely great card. Like, I understand the sort of anger behind uh, the decision to uh, not 
book AJ Wilder, and I, I get, and I don't even know why that fight fell apart. Like I, I mean, I have a, a vague idea. I know that it's because of the skill challenge promotion, like. So in Saudi Arabia, there's like two promoters. There is like the Riyadh season guys, which are which is run by Turk Al Jalik or whatever the fuck his name is, right? And then there's this, the Saudi Skill Challenge promotions. Um, and I guess Skill Challenge were the ones trying to make AJ Wilder, and I guess they lost that money from Saudi Arabia, and now Turk Al Jalik and his promotions, and they're now they have all the money from Saudi. I don't know, but regardless, yeah. I mean, hopefully they just fucking get this fight set up for 2024 if they can both beat their respective opponents on December 23rd. But even then, that's not guaranteed. I mean, Otto Valine's a dog. We've seen that. And Joseph Parker, I mean, he's definitely older. I'd say he's past his prime. He's taken a lot of damage, especially recently. Um, at the same time, though, a former champion, a straight-up dog, and also, you know, a former training partner. Of, not former. I mean, still a training partner of, of Tyson Fury. I mean, he's he was in those camps working uh, to try and beat Wilder with him. So, very exciting, man. Very, very exciting uh, times in boxing. Speaking of exciting times in boxing, you know, Angel. I mean, we, we I said it earlier. I mean, he's he's one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all time. Former UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou, now PFL heavyweight contender. Coming off of his close decision loss to Tyson Fury, Angel, he is now a top 10 ranked professional boxer by the WBC, coming in at number 10 earlier this morning. What do you think about that placement, man? Is it right? Is it wrong? What do you think about it? I mean, look, for for having literally no fights and a, a one loss on your record, a decision against the champ, not a bad place to be, right? Let's just, mm-hmm. let's just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, man. I mean, look, they could have they could have put him up higher. I think they probably should have put him up higher, you know. Um, but at the same time, you He's know, the mix. like I. He hasn't beaten anybody. Like, so I get why, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's probably the highest ranked guy with only one, one, you know, competition on his record, and it's not even a victory. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it had, like, you know. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, man. I mean, I, I'm excited to see what Ngannou does next. Hopefully we'll get a fight announcement in the next coming weeks. He said that he has no interest in fighting Derek Chisora and lower rank guys like that, so that just kind of puts the puts to death that rumor. Um, what if Wilder calls him out after if he does beat Parker? That, that would be yeah. Francis Ngannou, you're next. You're next. Take everything I worked for, motherfucker. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope so. In MMA, fuck it, you know. Um. Anyways, man, we do have some other news. Um, actually, we'll, we'll just we'll skip that one for right now. Speaking of Francis Ngannou, um, somebody asked Dana White at the UC 295 post-fight press conference, because Dana has not been asked a question about Ngannou, because they've not had uh, an event where he's done press, right? Somebody finally asked him, all right, with that performance, what do you think? Do you think you have any interest in doing Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, a co-promotion, now that things have changed with that performance? Uh, and Dana said that was the dumbest question of the night and asked why he would try to do that. So it sounds like we're not going to... It sounds like Dana White still has no interest in booking Francis Ngannou. By the way, did you actually watch the clip or did you just, like, read that? I did I did watch the clip, yeah. Dude, I did not have a good comeback. I was disappointed. He wasn't ready. I I think that it was kind of disappointing, right? Like, he asked such a good question. He was set up for the moment. 
but he wasn't re- – and look, Dana, like, as soon as he – the question was answered, as soon as he was he, challenged, he became aggressive. So, yeah, like, the whole, whole change. No. Yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed with that guy. But at the same time, hey, props to ask, ask, ask him the question, you know? I, I've never – I fucking – I never get to go to those those UFC but do you th- By the way, do you think if you were in any of that situations, do you think you could you could give Dana a good question? Like, you would push it? You think? I think prepare? I'd get – I think I'd get thrown out after – I think I'd probably lose my credential relatively quickly because I don't understand how he's been able to go to events for all of this year, and he's never been asked about the antitrust lawsuit once. Not a single fucking time. Would so you I ask like, so yeah, I'd, a, I'd, let's, let's say, Josh, you, you go to UFC – what is it, 297? 296? Uh, 296, yeah. 296. You're 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 there. Post fight, all the all the fights happen, you know. And the uh, first question, you know, fucking John Morgan goes first, whatever, right? <laughs> and then and then your second question, Josh. What do you ask Dana? I would ask him what his. I would ask, you know, obviously this is just spitballing because we're just talking right now. But like, oh, I'd probably ask something along the lines of, you know, given all the recent uh, movements in the UFC's antitrust lawsuit, does he have any public statement regarding? Uh, the case. I mean, it's literally that simple. Like they've nobody. Lie, like, I, kind of wanted, I wanted to play Dana there for a second, but I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it. Do you, th- do you think I fucking care about what some like just? Like, no, but I mean, the guy, the guy uh, at the the press conference earlier this week, you know, that was a good question, and he and I saw some people mocking his like response and saying like, well, they're both on ESPN, but that is a valid. That's a valid thing to say. Yeah, he just he just didn't have like the uh, vigor, you know. Yeah, I mean have, and. And there is an easy answer to give to Danny. Danny asks, like, why why should I do that? Because you're a fight promoter, and that's the biggest fight you can make. <laughs> it's that simple. They're on the same fucking network. It's not like it's not like boxing, bro. Like, there's no re. They're on. They're both on ESPN. They both work with Mickey Mouse. You know, like they're on the same fucking channel. Like, uh, there's nothing holding them back. I'm surprised yeah, Mickey just, Mouse doesn't try to push for that. Do you think if Mickey Mouse wanted to, they could make that happen? Mickey Mouse, yeah, because Dana, well, Dana White for all of his talk, right, about being, I don't, I am my own man. Like, he had a, he had an interview yesterday with Theo Baum where he was like, yeah, promoter said we should stop working with Trump. I said, fuck you, you know, like, but here's the reality. If Mickey Mouse came down and said, I want this to happen, it would happen. You know why? Because we've seen it happen whenever they told the UFC to stand down in COVID, you know, and Dana got mad and blamed it on the media, which makes no fucking sense, but... <laughs> Like, Mickey Mouse has made calls in the background of certain USC events in the short time they've been together. So if Mickey Mouse saw that the numbers would be attractive enough, then they would make it. But I also don't think they care. I mean, from my understanding, when it comes to the UC, uh, Ari Emanuel just lets Dana do whatever he wants. And Disney, for the most part, does not care as long as they're a profitable business. And they're a very profitable business. And they're not getting canceled. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, if Mickey Mouse wanted to, they could make Dana make that fight, you know, so, like, who knows? And also, um, I, but I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think there's any interest in making it happen. I think, if anything, Dana has to be more afraid of Saudi Arabia right now, you know? I think he has bigger issues to deal with. Because Do you think, one, do you think one, Saudi Arabia could come in and make their own fight promotion and pay these guys, like, the money they deserve? <laughs> I mean, they'd probably lose a lot of money in the process, yeah. but... Well, they're going to lose a lot of money, but here's the thing that, like... This is why, like, whenever I saw Chael Sonnen, and I love, I love Chael P. You know, everybody knows that. You know, I, I love me some Chael. Um, Uncle Chael, great dude. But at the same time, I also have to say, I saw his comments about how much money the event lost, Fury and Ngannou. And it's like, I'm going to, Andrew, I don't know if we talked this yet, talked about this yet on air, but I want you to guess. How much do you think the Saudi royal family is worth? I just want you to take a random you, you, guess. You, you, you dropped a number. It's in the billions. I know that, right? 
It's $3 trillion. Oh, never mind. I, just, I, thought, I knew it was up there. I knew it was a big number. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, this is for my what I've last seen, and I'm actually going to pull it up right now just to make sure I'm correct. <laughs> uh, but from my understanding, they're worth trillions of dollars. Saudi family net worth. Yeah, excuse me, not trillions. $1.4 trillion. But still, they are worth $1.4 trillion. So Saudi Arabia has money to throw around, and this is exactly what I'm saying Dan should be afraid of. Like, maybe not afraid, but, like, look, they are working with Nganu closely. They have a very good relationship with Nganu. They just poured $100 million into the PFL, and they're going to underwrite their pay-per-view events. This is all coming at a time whenever the UFC's contracts are being scrutinized and looked at by the antitrust lawsuit and by those federal judges. Like, it's a bad time to be Dana White, man. Like, he's he's probably just stressed, you know? Like, um, if I had to guess, you know? Like, he won't he won't admit it, but, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into Ghanu Jones, um, but he should be careful because his whole reasoning of not wanting, and I saw people online, like, why would the UFC work at the PFL? They're not on the same level. Fuck, dude. I mean, who knows? A year from now, things could be a lot different. So, you know, yeah. you should be you should be willing to work with other promoters because he may have to start doing that very soon. Also, on top of that, realistically, if any free agent, any massive, any big free agent opened up, Saudi Arabia could 100% outbid the UFC unrelentlessly. Yes. They could. They could. And that's the big thing. Like, if Conor McGregor became a free agent, and here's my reminder of, of, of for people. Do you know how many fights Connor has left on his UFC contract? It's a fuck ton, right? Isn't it like he actually? Quite a, oh wait, really? I thought it was a lot more. Unless he unless he resigned without me knowing. Like I believe he only has a couple of fights left on his deal. Nate Diaz is a free agent, but he has no interest in going to the, to the PFL. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think he just wants that Connor fight. Probably at this point, he's probably going to retire. You know, but there's not many big free agents, and the UFC did change their contracts after Ngannou left, which. Funnily enough, it's already been noted in the antitrust lawsuit I saw. Because uh, you see in their response to saying that, like, yeah, we're not a monopoly. Like, it's all right. Like, when Ganu left the company and he got a big deal from the PFL, and then in the, in the, the lawsuit they were noted that, like, yeah, but after Ganu left, you guys changed your contracts to where now that championship clause is no longer applicable. Like, so, yeah, um, interesting stuff, man. In that lawsuit, which I which I do talk about weekly, you know, I, I'm thinking about making, like, a big YouTube video. Just I'm surprised you haven't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that more people should talk about. And it doesn't help that, like, MMA fighting doesn't fucking talk about it. MMA junkie doesn't fucking talk about it. You know, the, the big ones that are bought and paid for, you know, like, that work very closely with the UFC. Guys don't want to shake the boat. They don't want to lose their credentials. I get it. You know, I'm not mad at them. But at the same time, do your fucking jobs, you know? Like, <laughs> like I should yeah. not be the... You, you can't blame them, though, dude. Can you blame them for, for not wanting to take those risks, though? No, no, of course not. I, I don't blame them for not wanting to take the risk. I don't. I do blame them for not ever acknowledging the case. See, the thing but, is, the people who are going to take those risks are going to be people like you. You know what I mean? Who don't have, I don't to say anything to lose, but you won't lose anything if you speak out about it. I, I would hope so, right? I don't think you would, Josh, right? No, I mean, I would. I mean, I could, I could lose. I mean, I don't. There's nothing that the UFC can't really impact me in a way because I don't think I don't think they a, care that I exist. <laughs> and B, also, I don't go to those press rooms. Well, know? I mean, Josh, there there was that one big promoter we will not drop, we will not name drop. Did that is true. There is one promoter that did try to get me, that did try to get my job taken. That is true. And you know what's kind of crazy? I love that one day in the future we'll hopefully like public. We'll, I don't know if you want to, but like we'll the make second that, that they go out of business, you'll <laughs> talk about it. I think it'll be funny as fuck. Why like, would I, I not talk about it? Because if the second they go out of business, and they're one of those companies that 
I mean, we need to, I need to, we're gonna, next time for the preview, we're gonna talk about that more. We gotta bring that up to the boys, cause I don't think we've, we've, we've talked about it once. But dude, and I, it's, yeah. it's so pretty wild that that was a legitimate situation you were in. Yeah, yeah. And like, look, it never got that bad, because like, Honestly, I mean, they, protect, like, they, I, they protected you, right? I mean, you gotta give. Credit. Yeah, yeah. I never got. They, I, they didn't. They didn't do anything. Like, it was fine. But it was one work. of those situations where it's like, man, <laughs> these promoters in this business, bro. Like, I, I knew that I was gonna shake the boat just because I'm. A, I'm one of those guys, you know. Like, I don't. I don't like being the peacekeeper guy. Like, unless you're, unless you're paying me fucking money to keep the peace. You know what I mean? Like, there's some UC media members who I know are bought and paid for. You know. Um, but if you're not going to do that for me, then why would I not point out this? Stupid Wait, really? Drop a name. Stuff? Drop a name in chat. Don't say that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get you that much trouble. I know we're tiptoeing a lot today at the, at the end of the show, but we kind of have to. Those, those, no, one of them is obvious. The other two, I, I do know. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, but one of those, actually, that last one, I found this out recently that his really? wife. Works with Ali Abdelaziz. I didn't know that. So that one's 100 percent confirmed. The middle one's, one's the middle one's the one you're not sure about. The middle one is one that I know that like I don't know exactly what's going on there, but as somebody who knows them personally, I know there's something going on there. Oh, okay, okay. So I'll put it like that. But anyways, yeah, I mean we're getting way too vague, way too off topic. Um, but yeah, I mean the UFC man, uh, Dana White not wanting to co-promote, not that surprising. Still disappointing though. And I think that they got to be more willing to do it, man. Just like fuck, bro. Like, damn, you guys may have to do that next next June. You may have to start co-promoting, bro. And so you gotta <laughs> you gotta start being more willing to do it. Um, nonetheless, dude, uh, we do have two final uh, topics to close out the day. They're both more, I guess, like fun ones. Uh, maybe not one of them is not fun. Uh, Tony Ferguson was seen training with David Goggins this week. Oh shit! Uh, I know what we're gonna talk about. In fact, he went through – he's the first man to complete Hell Week with David Goggins because uh, God knows the one thing that Tony Ferguson, Al Kukui, uh the one thing he doesn't have is balls and heart, you know? Like, <laughs> um, nonetheless, man, what do you think about him uh, training with David Goggins? He fucking tortured him based on the videos that we've seen. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty wild. I mean, he'll be in shape, I'll tell you what. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I saw David Goggins put something out. And David Goggins isn't one of those guys I feel like generally would compliment people, not because he doesn't – not because he's not a good person, but because that's not how he expresses his his love for someone, I think. You know what I mean? It's always very hard love or very, you know, very small neutral stuff, you know? And uh and plus that he's even talking about it because I remember the, he had a guy, Jesse, I can't think of his name. He owns the Atlanta Hawks. He did the whole Hell, hell Week thing to him. He flipped his life, his life around for a few days and kind of just, just switch up his routine. This guy's like a millionaire, didn't have to do this, and he brought Goggins into his life. And when I remember the big thing is when he put him through that hell, like those that month of hell or how many months of hell it was with him, mm-hmm. he uh he Goggins left, and he left a post-it note on the fridge, and all it said was thanks. Mm. And he was gone. He was just gone the next day. Didn't say nothing. He was just gone. Because he was living with him. He was living in his house. But the reason I kind of to bring it back, it kind of where I was getting at is Goggins wrote, made like a whole Instagram post saying essentially like how impressed he was with Tony, giving Tony props. And it was very long. It wasn't short. So that was really eye-opening. So that's kind of cool to see. How will that translate to fight-wise? I don't know. But at least it shows Tony's game and, and game time ready. Mm-hmm. 100%, dude. I mean, he is he's, – he's ready, dude. And – I'm still not sure how I feel about it. I saw some people who were being like, you know, fucking say hard. Uh, Who's gonna carry the boats? <laughs> <laughs> I some people. I did see some people, uh, you know, 
talking about how Tony should not be training with him because, you know, that's the last thing he needs. And they're probably right, but at the same time, they're, like, six weeks out from his next fight, like, from when they filmed that. So it's, like, it's not like Tony isn't doing actual training. He just took a couple days of the Apex with David Goggins. You know what I mean? Like, um, fuck, dude. What, what, I mean, what he, are you he, saying? He pushed him, though. Dude, did you see some of those clips? Like, there was that one where they're on the treadmill, and Tony hops off to throw up and then hops back on the treadmill. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. That's 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 me every Friday at the fuck. I mean, I, hey, man, I, I I I respect the I respect the grind. Like that's yeah. that's that's a different level of dedication, man. That I just I I, I tip, dude. I gotta respect it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't not respect it. I saw some people joking about it, and to be fair, it is kind well, of. I mean, don't because let me wrong. Like I like I remember like a peak of me working out. Like I definitely did push myself. I remember one time I was did pass out at the gym, Josh, like because I was going so hard. Yeah, where I had to like lay down. For a minute, take a breather, and then start working out again. But it was a, uh, and, and I was still going. And the only reason I stopped is because someone told me to take a break. Ah, uh, your trainer. Yeah, the guy I was working out with. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, I, I was still going, dude. Like I was crawling, but I was still going. What a guy! What a dog! <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to that guy. You gotta fucking, you gotta do. You're gonna be, you're gonna do David Goggins Hell Week next. I don't know. I mean, I would. I mean, I do it. I I do my best. I wouldn't. Yeah, want to I mean, I do it too for the for the you know until I died, which would be relatively quickly, I bet. But uh, anyways, yeah, I mean that is good for Tony, man. Congratulations to him, first man to do it. Love to see it. Nonetheless, dude, um, this is our last topic of the day, and it's honestly pretty fucking funny. Um, Chael Sonnen, who you know I just did mention recently. Did you see that Chael Sonnen got a tattoo, a portrait tattoo of Anderson Silva? Dude, I didn't know if that was real or AI, because that's the world we live in. And I was just, like, really, really fucking confused. So I, w- I went through it. I, as, a, as, a, as somebody who's, like, studied the AI shit, very, very, very it, it looks like it's a real picture. I, it, it looks like he's, that's a real tattoo gun. That's a real tattoo guy. I think the tattoo is probably fake. I think that's probably, like, a... Like a temporary tattoo, maybe. Like like what Zion's uh, ex did, or or <laughs> partnered it, you know, like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, as somebody who's got a lot of tattoos before, your skin. I mean, well, shit, though. I'm not shell sunning, but you, you know, you, my skin gets, and basically, your skin always gets raised and looks really red around the edges of the tattoo. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not Chael P. I don't got the biggest arms and the biggest charms to come out of West Lynn, so I can't really, you know, maybe he's just built different, but uh. <laughs> but uh you know i still don't know for sure you know he could have it could have been multiple he could have just been you know he got it work done multiple times got multiple sessions and like that was just the last session and like you know who knows um anyways man yeah i mean any any closing thoughts on that or anything else we talk about before we go ahead and uh, head out man he said i will say he did say in the post before we exit he said i'm a man of my word what does he mean by that i have no idea did they make like some sort of bet Maybe they made, but everybody else was asking too, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right. maybe they'll be going to a barbecue sometime soon, though. You know, <laughs> the infamous barbecue, bro. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the origin is. I don't know if it's a real tattoo. It's still very much up in the air. So, um, anyways, man. Yeah, any closing thoughts, man? Not much, man. Like I said, I'm just excited to come back next week, recap everything, take some fan questions potentially. There's gonna have a little bye week, man. There's, there's always like the, this. This is what, like I say, the year always closes out so 
it goes so hard but at the same time like it's it's it starts slowing down and we don't keep, get fights every week and oh man it, that's always a rough bit but you know we'll we'll make it through man mm. yeah we will make it through and we'll probably do a q and a or something fun we'll figure it out um for next week because there is no UFC. It'll be boxing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um yeah, but if you don't got anything else, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Take underscore O one at courtside sound for all things related to the show. Um ah, man, that's all we got. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.